Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is living and active and that you speak to us through it. And so we pray this morning, Jesus, that you would give us ears to hear your voice, that you would prepare our hearts for what you have for us, and that by the power of your spirit working in us, you would change us, you would shape us, transforming us, Lord Jesus, for your glory and our joy. We pray this in your name. Amen. Years ago, I heard a funny story. Well, it's, it's only kind of funny. I'll let you be the judge. It's a story about a, a young couple. They were recently married, and uh, one particular day, she got home ahead of her husband, and, and she heard him coming, and uh, she thought, hey, wouldn't it be fun if I hid in the closet and scared him? And so uh, he walked in the door completely unaware that his young bride was there ahead of him. And he went to the closet, uh, being very responsible, going to put away his jacket as he should. He opened the closet door and his wife, who was just excited, waiting for this moment to scare her husband and have this fun with him, she, she jumped up and she shrieked in his face. She yelled. Some of you have heard the expression, fight or flight, this poor, unsuspecting husband did not react in flight. Fight kicked in. Reflexively, he punched her right in the face. That's why I said it's kind of funny. What's my point? It wasn't me. It's not autobiographical. His reaction was simply a reflex. He didn't plan on punching his wife in the face. He didn't want to punch her in the face. He felt awful for punching her in the face. It wasn't a choice. It wasn't something he deliberated about and said, this would be a good thing to do, or this is how I should respond. He simply reacted. It was reflex. This morning, we return to our study of the Beatitudes, and we come to the fifth Beatitude, the Beatitudes with which Jesus begins his Sermon on the Mount. And this, in this Beatitude, we discover that mercy is to be our reflex as those who have heard and believed the gospel. Jesus will announce, blessed are the merciful. Mercy in our lives is to be simply reflexive, a, re, a reflex action. Remember, the Sermon on the Mount as a whole provides us a picture of what life looks like when God's kingdom reign breaks into this broken world. When people hear and believe the good news, when Jesus gets a hold of our hearts, when the Holy Spirit begins to have his way in us, lives are radically changed. In the sermon, we will encounter the ethics of the, we are, we are encountering the ethics of the inbreaking kingdom. We cannot live this way by our own efforts, by our own striving. Uh, these, uh, what we're going to discover in the Sermon on the Mount, this is, is produced by the gospel at work in us. And if we forget that, this sermon will become one of two things, frustrating idealism, something we can never live up to, or oppressive legalism, something that will absolutely crush us. The Beatitudes with which this sermon begins provide us with a picture of Christian character. These 
characteristics, these qualities are not natural human qualities. Jesus did not show up and begin walking around Palestine looking for beatitude people. No, Jesus came proclaiming the gospel and people heard and believed and the gospel took root in their lives and they began to be changed. I I want you to remember also that as we walk through these beatitudes, Jesus is not here describing eight different characteristics that different believers will have. No, these are not eight different types of people that one follower of Jesus is poor in spirit, that another mourns over sin, that another is meek, that another hungers and thirsts for righteousness, that that there are some who are merciful. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. These eight qualities are interrelated and inseparable. They all belong together in the life of every person who has put their faith in Jesus, in every gospelized person. Just as the qualities all belong together, so too all the blessings belong to every Christian. Uh, You remember the first beatitude and the last beatitude I pointed out that they have the same promise. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's it's a theirs is the kingdom of heaven sandwich, if you will. And what that means is that theirs is the kingdom of heaven is true for all the beatitudes. And the other six promises in there are just different aspects of what it means to receive to enter into the kingdom of heaven. To receive the kingdom of heaven means to be comforted, to, be, to inherit the earth, to be satisfied, to receive mercy, to see God, to be called children of God. Though the Beatitudes all go together, their order is important. The first one is the essential beginning point, the starting point of the whole sermon. It sets the tone. It gets us facing in the right direction. If we miss the first Beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, we will this whole sermon will become horribly twisted. And each beatitude leads naturally into the next. The first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who recognize that they come to God utterly spiritually bankrupt. With empty hands, they have nothing to give God. They come only needing from God. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who know that they are spiritually bankrupt, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When we know that, we begin to mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. Those who recognize the darkness of their own hearts, the the wickedness of their, their deeds, who recognize the lostness and brokenness of the world around them and weep because of it. For they will be comforted. Then Jesus says, blessed are the meek. Remember, meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength under control. Meekness means that we entrust ourselves into the hands of God. Our 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 reputations our position, our whole lives, and we humbly, gently, considerately put the interests of others ahead of us because we know that we are beloved and that we are secure in God. We know that we are broken men and women who need God, and so we don't need to defend our name or our reputation. We can be meek. Jesus says they will inherit the earth. And then we begin to hunger and thirst for righteousness. We begin to hunger and thirst to be right with God. Not only positionally, but that we would learn to walk in a way that is rightly related, in obedience to God. And not only us, but we, we, we hunger and thirst for others around us to come to know God. We hunger and thirst ultimately for all things to be rightly related, all things to be how they were intended to be. We long for righteousness. This morning we come to Beatitude number five. Blessed are the merciful. 
for they shall they will be shown mercy. This morning, as we explore this fifth beatitude, I want to ask three questions with you. First, what is mercy? Second, why is mercy a mark of the gospelized? And third, is mercy earned? Is mercy contingent? We read this beatitude and it may sound like that. Blessed are those are the, are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Do we receive mercy based on whether or not we show mercy? So what is mercy? Why is mercy a mark of the gospelized and is mercy contingent? So first question, what is mercy? Uh, let me begin by noting what mercy is not. Mercy is not sort of an easygoing attitude. You know, you do something wrong to someone and they say, hey, no worries, no big deal, no problem. Remember, the Beatitudes are not natural human dispositions. These are not natural human qualities. They are produced by the gospel. This has nothing to do with one's temperament. It has nothing to do with being easygoing. We can define mercy both positively and negatively. There are two aspects of mercy. Positively, mercy is giving someone something they don't deserve, something they have not earned. Mercy is showing kindness to one who is hurting or is in need. Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan illustrates this aspect of mercy so well. An expert of the law comes to Jesus and asks Jesus a question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus uh, points him back to the law and says, well, what, what does the law say? And that expert in the law says, the law tells us to love God with our heart and mind, our soul, mind, strength, and, and love our neighbor as ourselves. And Jesus says, you have answered well. Go and do that. And the expert of the law wanted to justify himself. He'd had a good answer for Jesus, but he says, well, who is my neighbor? See, the, 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 the thing, the truth that is behind that question, if we ask that question, who is my neighbor, we are trying to put up boundaries, limits on who we care for. In response to his question, who is my neighbor, Jesus tells a story. A man is going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Along the way, he is attacked by robbers. He is stripped. He is beaten. He is left half dead on the side of the road. A little while later, along comes a Jewish priest. And that priest sees him, but leaves him, walks on the other side of the road. A little while later, a Levite comes along, and that Levite, too, sees him laying there, but he doesn't go near him either. He passes by as well. Eventually, a third man comes, a Samaritan. Now, Jews and Samaritans did not like each other. They, they, were, they were at odds, to put it mildly. But this Samaritan man sees this man beaten and bleeding, half dead on the road, and he stops, and he, he pours wine and oil on his wounds. He bandages them. He lifts this man up, puts him on his donkey, and he takes him to an inn where he cares for him. And the next day when he needs to leave, he gives to the innkeeper two days' wages. And he says, please look after him, and if it costs you more, I will pay more. I will reimburse you. At the end of that story, Jesus asks the expert in the law, who was his neighbor? And that man recognizes the answer, and he says, the one who had mercy on him. Mer mercy is pity and action. He, he demonstrates kindness to one hurting. See, mercy sees 
a need. Mercy sees suffering and responds with kindness. It is pity plus action. Showing mercy costs. It will cost you time. It will mess with your schedule. You see someone in need. You see someone hurting. It will cost you to show mercy. It will cost you financially to give from what you have. It may even be a sacrifice. Maybe it doesn't, doesn't just come out of your abundance. It, it, it's a sacrifice to meet that need, to show kindness to someone who is hurting and needing. That is mercy. It involves risk. The, the good Samaritan, he didn't know. He, he could have been the next victim. Maybe this band of robbers are hiding around the corner, but he stopped. He risked He messed with his schedule and spent his resources to extend kindness. There's risk. Years ago, probably 15 years ago, our boys were all little boys at the time. They were in the room next to us. One night, I got a phone call. I was here late for a meeting and stayed a little bit after that to do some things. And I got a phone call here at sunrise at about quarter to ten. It was a, a man, I never met him before, he said he was parked outside actually, and uh, he had just arrived in Edmonton from t- the Toronto area, and he was going to stay with a friend, but some fall, uh, falling out had, he had nowhere to go, could, could I help? And so my immediate thought was, I'll see, maybe I can book a hotel for him or something for a night, so I began to make some phone calls, and as I did that, just, I think God brought images to, to my mind of our guest room in our home. And I thought, really? Really? And so eventually I hung up the phone and I called my wife, Christine, and I said, Christine, there's this guy here. He's got nowhere to stay. Can I bring him home? Can he sleep in our guest room tonight? She said, sure. So I brought him home and we settled him in this guest room. And then I went upstairs. Our three boys were all sleeping next to us. And I remember that night crawling into bed and, and Christine saying to me, well, if he kills us, I hope he kills us all. Good night. I didn't sleep real well that night. But that man ended up becoming a dear friend of ours who we're still in touch with today. But there's risk because we didn't know. Showing mercy will cost us. Showing mercy is a risk. We can also define mercy negatively. Mercy is not giving someone what they deserve. It's pardoning someone for a debt they owe, forgiving them for wronging you. A a bit later in Matthew's gospel, there will be this occasion, Matthew tells us about where Peter, the disciple of Jesus, comes to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Seven times? Just so we know, the rabbi said three times was sufficient, so Peter thinks he's like being really generous. Jesus, seven times? And Jesus says to him, depends how The text is translated in your version. Jesus says either 70 times 7, 490 if you're doing the math, or uh, 70 and 7. The the point is not the number. Jesus is making the point that there should be no limits on our forgiving. That that 3 times and 7 times is insufficient. That we don't keep track of. that, That we pardon people for their sin. That we extend mercy. We forgive It's right after that encounter with Peter that Jesus tells another parable, a parable of a king who wanted to settle accounts. And so he called in one of his servants who owed 
10,000 bags of gold. I don't know how much that is, but it sounds like a lot. He owed 10,000 bags of gold. And he demanded that the servant pay him. And the servant said, I don't have it. And he was going to be thrown in prison. And the servant begged him and said, please, please be patient with me. I will pay it all back. And the king felt pity. The king extended mercy. And he forgave the debt. Didn't just give him time to pay it off. He forgave it. 10,000 bags of gold. And then Jesus says that servant went out and found another servant, a fellow servant who owed him 100 silver coins. Still sounds like a lot, but considerably less than 10,000 bags of gold. And he demanded it from his fellow servant. That servant says, I don't have it. I don't have it. Please be patient, and I will pay it all back. And that servant said, no. And he threw his fellow servant into prison. And then the king hears about this. And he calls that first servant before him, and he, he says to him, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? New Testament scholar Craig Blomberg writes, mercy embraces the characteristics of being generous, forgiving others, having compassion for the suffering, and providing healing of every kind. Mercy is showing kindness to the hurting and the needy. Mercy is pardoning a debt that is owed. When my father was around three or four, he was born in Paraguay, South America, his dad and mom had a farm, and they had a barn that was attached to their kitchen. I guess where they slept was a separate structure. And uh, there were some, uh, some Indians who were working for them, and they had a little cook fire out behind the barn. And my dad, three or four, grabbed a stick and had it in the fire. And then he wondered, what would happen if I stick this in that pile of hay by the barn? And so he did. He wandered over and stuck that in and discovered very quickly what would happen. Sure, people from the village came, but the whole barn and the kitchen just burned up. My dad went and sat down, and he thought he was done for. Hours later, his dad, my grandpa, came, and he didn't get the punishment that he thought was coming. He got picked up and put on my grandpa's lap, who gave him a cookie and a glass of milk. Mercy. A pardoning of debts owed. Kindness to those who are hurting and needy. Let's turn to our second question. Why is mercy a mark of the gospelized? We need only look into scriptures. We need only look to, at God to see the answer. Mercy is one of the fundamental attributes of God. Remember the story of Moses on Mount Sinai? God passes before him, and, and God declares these words as he passes before Moses. The Lord, the Lord, a God, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. God is abounding in mercifulness. Mercy is also a key theme through the prophetic books. Mal sorry, the prophet Micah sums up all that God calls us to in these words. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. In the New Testament book of Hebrews, the, the author of Hebrews speaks of Jesus coming to be our merciful high priest. Jesus, in his ministry, exuded mercy. He was the Holy One. He was God in flesh, holy, righteous, pure. 
and yet he exuded mercy. He attracted like a magnet attracts iron filings. He attracted sinners, broken people, people who were a mess. Story after story after story. Sinners come to Jesus. Prostitutes, tax collectors, hated cheats. The lowly, they, they came to him. They were drawn. Sinners were drawn to Jesus. Jesus proclaimed to the religious leaders, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. He regularly cheesed off the religious leaders because of the company he kept. But Jesus didn't care. Jesus was all about mercy. He said, it's not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. Jesus, God in flesh, in human flesh, God among us, God among us whose birth, Emmanuel, we're going to celebrate here in these coming weeks, and he was mercy personified. Daryl Johnson writes this, hang around Jesus long enough and you cannot but begin to take on his bent towards mercy. Mercy was at the very heart of his coming, the heart of his agenda, it was his focus. It was mercy that led Jesus to that cruel cross outside of Jerusalem. It was mercy that led him to the cross where in kindness to us, he came He left heaven and came to us who were in bondage, us who were in needy, us who were helpless, and he extended mercy. He went to the cross and he suffered the death that you and I deserve for our sin, for our wickedness. He paid that debt for us. He came and went to the cross for the sake of mercy. Mercy lies at the very heart of God and the very heart of the inbreaking kingdom of God. To miss this is to miss the good news. God in Christ has come to restore us into men and women who reflect his character. And if he is merciful, that means that we need to become merciful. Thus, Jesus here declares, blessed are the merciful. Congratulations. Right on. You you merciful ones, you are in sync with the heart of God. You are in sync with the kingdom of God. Third question, is mercy contingent? Is mercy earned? The last part of verse 7 can create some challenges. It can be something we need to wrestle with. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. D.A. Carson writes this, Some try to interpret this verse legalistically, as if to say that the only way to obtain mercy from God is by showing mercy to others. God's mercy thus becomes essentially contingent on our own mercy. You see that. Blessed are the merciful, for the merciful will be shown mercy. It, It sounds like If we show mercy, then we get mercy. Is that what Jesus is saying? In chapter 6, the next chapter, we'll get to Jesus' prayer, the Lord's prayer in time. Jesus will teach his disciples to to pray and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And that's followed up with these words. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Is Jesus here teaching that we merit mercy, that we earn mercy by showing mercy? From everything we know so far, the answer has to be no. 
The Sermon on the Mount itself begins with the words, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who come empty-handed, blessed are those who know that they are spiritually bankrupt. Martin Lloyd-Jones asserts, if we understand this beatitude in a legalistic manner, forgiveness is utterly impossible. Then we must cancel the whole doctrine of grace from the New Testament. Let me remind you of a, a vitally important principle when it comes to biblical interpretation. We need to interpret Scripture by Scripture. What that means is when we come to something difficult or confusing or we don't get it, we, we need to look to passages that are clear, that we do understand, and, and hold on to those and then wrestle with that other text that is not clear. The New Testament is clear that God's mercy is first. When we were still powerless, while we were still sinners, while we were God's enemies, when we were dead in our transgressions, God made us alive. God's mercy comes first. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who know they do not merit anything. Jesus is not saying that somehow we earn mercy. Remember, the Beatitudes are a description of character that grows in us when we believe the gospel, when the gospel takes root in our hearts and in our lives. What Jesus is saying is this. Mercy begets mercy. The gospel inevitably produces mercy in believers. The gospel generates mercifulness in all those who are touched by the gospel. It has to. It must. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, what a test of each one of us, of our whole standing and our profession of the Christian faith. He's saying that we look at ourselves and go, is there mercy? Is there evidence of this mercy in me? He says this is a test. Of all the Beatitudes, this might be the most measurable. William Barclay says this mercy lodges in the heart but expresses itself in the hand. So we can ask that question, am I exhibiting mercy? Not being willing to extend mercy, be that refusing to show kindness to someone in need, someone who is hurting, or refusing to pardon a debt of sin, refusing to forgive someone for their sin, means at least this, that in that moment, I have lost touch with the gospel. The gospel is the good news of what God is doing through Christ and when the gospel takes root in our hearts, when the Holy Spirit begins to have his way in us, he transforms us. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who know they come with empty hands and empty pockets with nothing. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. We see our sin we see our mixed motives. We see our failures. We see how we still desire what God says is not good. And we, we grieve, we mourn, we weep. And not only for our sin, but the sin and the brokenness of the world around us. And Jesus says, you will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. Not the weak, not pushovers, not doormats, but those whose confidence is rooted in God, in his love, and they know that they are secure in him, and so they don't have to fight and push to the front of the line. They don't have to worry about that. They can put the interests of others ahead of themselves. They can be generous and sacrificial and caring. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those who know they're not righteous, that, that not all is right, and they long for it. They long to be walking rightly with God. They long for others to know God. They long for all things to be made right, to be made the way they were supposed to be. And then we come to this, blessed are the merciful. Here's what Martin Lloyd-Jones writes. Does it not follow inevitably that if I have seen and experienced all that has preceded this, my attitude towards everybody else must be completely and entirely changed? If all that is true of me, I no longer see men, men and women as I used to see them. I see them now with a Christian eye. I see them as the dupes and victims and the slaves of sin and Satan and of the way of the world. I have come to see them not simply as men whom I dislike, but as men to be pitied. I see them as being still where once I was. I see them as those where once I was. As the gospel takes root in our hearts, as we recognize God's amazing mercy to us, his kindness, his forgiveness, the Beatitudes begin to manifest themselves in our lives. They they have to. Inevitably, this happens. These are not natural human qualities. They're produced by the gospel in us. And thus we become women and men, young and old, children, boys and girls who are merciful. We can't help but be merciful. It's like a reflex. We've experienced amazing mercy. And it begins to shape us and flow out of us. On April 28, 1999, Todd Smith walked into his high school in Tabor, Alberta with a sawed-off shotgun and started shooting. He shot and killed 17-year-old Jason Lang and left another student wounded. He was tackled to the ground by a gym teacher and held and later arrested. The small town of Tabor was in utter shock, devastated. How do you respond to something so horrific? How do you go on? What if you're the parents of that child who was killed? Jason's parents reeled in the aftermath of his death, as one would expect. Anger, pain. But then something else happened. They forgave Todd. They forgave the young man who had shot and killed their son. They responded with mercy. And here is what Dale Lang, Jason's father, said. He said, as someone who has been a follower of Jesus Christ for 22 years, forgiveness was the only response I could give. I didn't think about it. My wife and I didn't sit down and talk about it. It was a response out of our faith. We did it because it was the way we understood who Jesus is. Mercy is a reflex. Mercy is just how we we respond when the gospel takes root and grows and changes us. The mercy of Christ to us begets mercy from us to others. We forgive And show mercy because we have been shown kindness, because we have been forgiven, because we have received mercy. Let's pray. Father, we're 
moved by the glory of your mercy for us. How you have come, how you sent your son Jesus to come out of kindness. And Jesus, you went to the cross for us. You suffered for us. That you might pour your mercy into our lives. Father, come this morning. Come by your spirit and touch our hearts, Lord. We pray that you would produce in us mercy, that mercy would be a reflex. That as you have poured your mercy into us, so too you would pour mercy out of us. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.